Hey guys, before we get started today, I want to let you know about something new at ESPN. The Peabody and Emmy award-winning 30 for 30 documentary series presents The Tuck Rule, a documentary that examines one of the most controversial plays in sports history. See the legendary Charles Woodson and Tom Brady discuss, for the first time, the call that changed it all. Watch live February 6th at 8 p.m. Eastern on ESPN. It'll be available the next day on ESPN+. Also, check out the First Draft podcast with ESPN experts Mel Kiper Jr., Todd McShay, and friend of the pod, Field Yates, who bring you the latest intel on the NFL Draft every Monday and Thursday. Listen wherever you get your pods. Check out the Monday shows on ESPN YouTube. the Mina Kime show featuring Lenny, the only NFL podcast or one of the hosts thinks tales never fails, even when it does. That's Lenny. I'm Mina Kimes. And I am joined by, um, gosh, I, I, it's been so long. Has it really? It feels like it's been a long time since I've had him on the show. Since then, his star has ascended at a Josh Allen-like trajectory. Uh, we're just lucky to have him return. I don't know. It's like... Um, I'm, I'm trying to think of the most embarrassing possible. I guess maybe like I'm at Wyoming and Josh Allen's coming back in this analogy. Ben Solak, welcome back to the show. Uh, I mean, I appreciate that. Um, I think uh, in terms of uh, credit to be doled out for my ascension, which is very small and is being gassed up, uh, <laughs> being on the show has, has been a big part of it. So I'm, I'm glad to be back here, kind of returning from a, a, a valiant win at war. A valiant win at war. Um, for those who don't know, Ben is at the Ringer now. I think you've been on the podcast since you left for the Ringer, and then basically everyone who is on has been on this podcast now works for the Ringer. But um, catch him on the Ringer NFL show, doing great work, obviously covering everything happening in the league right now. There is so much to talk about. Uh, I reached out to you and saying like, let's look back on the divisional round, but also look ahead to the championship, and we are going to do that. And it is very exciting because these are rematches, and I love rematches, but. Um, some crazy news broke today that I do want to talk to you about about three hours ago, maybe, uh, Sean Payton, the head coach of the New Orleans Saints, 15 seasons, nine of which he had more than 10 wins or 10 or more wins, which kind of says it all right there. Um, announced that he is, I don't even retire, stepping away is, I think, I don't know if that's the verbiage he used, but that's the correct verbiage. Um, he will not be coaching football next year. Emphasis on next year. I think the Mike McCarthy clock da- or countdown clock is officially on. That said, what if Mike McCarthy does take the Cowboys on a playoff run? Like, does I, I don't know. Anyways, blah, there's a lot to discuss here. I guess my first question for you is, let, setting aside the Peyton side of it, um, is the New Orleans Saints job attractive at all? Yeah, in the sense that the roster is really good. Uh, like if, if if I think like if you're mm. Dennis Allen and you're looking for a place to go and and potentially become a head coach, the Saints makes a lot of sense. The defense is kind of built the way you'd <laughs> like it to be built there. Yes, uh, it the job is attractive so long as when you sit down with ownership and you sit down with with Loomis and Ireland and and discuss the three year horizon. There's a a an agreement in place that listen, uh, we won't do anything in year one. Because we're just going to be dealing with the bones left over from from Peyton here. Like he left, a, you know, a, a mess has been left in terms of the cap, and we're going to have to swallow that pill for a year. And you have to say that as the new coach, knowing that the 2021 season 
was also that it was supposed to be a year where we kind of just you know dealt with what we had and and couldn't really make it uh, any major additions. That's gonna happen again. The Saints are thirty second right now in projected twenty twenty two cap space at drumroll negative seventy one point five million dollars. Yeah. Uh, so you as long as there's an understanding in the building that hey like there's no magic to be done here we're gonna lose for a little bit because we can't sign anybody it's a really attractive job because you have talented young guys chauncey gardner johnson paulson adibo uh, uh you know you have demario davis quan alexander you have Ma- malcolm uh, jenkins quan alexander is a free agent oh is he oh dang so okay. i so like a- yeah no yeah. no you, you the, the bones are there the bones that as mm-hmm. you so uh vividly described sean payton has chewed on and left, and I guess he ate the meat and left, and now there's a carcass, but the carcass is strong. Yeah. Um, the, the the free agents, so Quan Alexander is one, Marcus Williams is kind of the big name, and Teron Armstead on the other side. Um, cap-wise, there are some contracts that they can restructure. I think Michael Thomas is the first one that comes to mind. There's really nothing else they can there, There's not trades to be made. I, I saw some people mm-hmm. kind of speculating, oh, maybe now you can make a run at some of these players. I don't really see that the way these deals are structured and given how little cap space they had, I don't think there's like much benefit to be had from trading right. any of these guys, but they can restructure him. Uh, Michael Thomas, I think Marshawn Lattimore is another one. They could restructure. Kamara you um, can restructure if you feel like restructuring Kamara. running back into his 30s. Yeah, that's not. Yeah. it's not great. But for the most nope. part, like, you're, like you said, the defense is still going to be good. Um, they do have young players. They are extremely well coached. I think that just the issue with this team is the very obvious one is the issue that Peyton had for most of the season, which is the quarterback position. Um, right. At what point do you, during the Ian Book game do you think he decided to retire is my question. No, um, I, but, but I, saw, I saw somebody say that Ian Book deserves MVP because he both had like his performance led to the league changing COVID rules, which is like not actually an MVP thing, but like the league absolutely <laughs> saw that performance. It was like, we got to do something and B he got Sean Payton to retire. Like that's more, oh that's bigger God. moves than a lot of players have made this year. Uh, Bill Barnwell, uh, tweets. <laughs> I mean, the jokes are sensational. Um, uh, okay, so yeah, about the the uh, quarterback position, he had maybe my favorite comment on it, which is that um, Taysom's <laughs> Taysom's grown too powerful to control, and he's going to be the head coach too. <laughs> um, but he's probably going to be the quarterback because, like, yep. the reality is Jameis Winston is now the most attractive free agent quarterback out there, and if I'm say Washington or Denver, I can pay him. More than the New Orleans Saints can. And also, on top of that, Ben, like, if I'm Jameis Winston, I don't want to stay in New Orleans without yeah, Sean Payton. Like, why would you stay? I ain't trying to throw the ball to Juwan Johnson for 16 games. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll, I'll love to little Jordan Humphrey, but it's just not optimal if you're trying to, you know, build out some contracts and get a, uh, a late career resurgence if you're Winston. I very much agree. And I'm actually interested to see, like, if Taysom is the presumed starter and it's going to happen. Uh Firstly, like that escalates his contract, right? Like if he takes a bunch of snaps and starts at quarterback, like I don't even know oh how, how expensive that might get. Taysom's contract is weird. It makes no sense. Yeah. I'm not gonna I was going to say, I, don't, I was going to pull it, it up and, and try <laughs> yeah. to figure it out. But then I was like, uh... yeah, I can't break out the, the magnifying glass and break it down live on air. But this Peyton offense never really did for Taysom what you'd like to see an offense do for Taysom in the sense that their running game was pretty heavily predicated on like going under yeah. center and like getting Camaro the ball from from uh you know from under center dropbacks like running the zone or whatever and optimally with with Taysom you're doing a lot more Jalen Hurts stuff which is like yes. putting him in the gun letting him read option and so on and so forth and Peyton never really did that and so you have the opportunity here if you want to bring in an offensive designer 
who has at least some experience at some level getting the quarterback involved in the running game yeah. from the gun and then like maybe actually being interesting with Taysom for a couple years. But still, I think you're gonna be in the same spot come 2024, which is like, wow, we need a new quarterback. Or just a year, right? Like, so if Dennis Allen becomes the head coach, uh, I kind of think he's a leader in the clubhouse, but I don't know. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if he does, yeah, you're right. Like, okay, it's a bridge year. In, in a lot, very similarly, actually, to the Eagles, you're thinking about it the same way. Um, okay, we're wiping our cap a little bit, starting over. We still have a good defense and or some pieces in place. Uh, St. Stephen's is much better than Philadelphia, but let, like you said, like, okay, this is our quarterback. Let's see if we can make it work and mess around and win some games like they did this year. I mean, the the, the crazy thing is, like, the Saints almost made it to the playoffs this year um, because their defense was so good. And if they had Jameis Winston, they probably would have made some noise, but mm-hmm. they don't. And it is a weird job. I think it's a complicated job. It's not the best job. But uh, before we get to the games, just one last question. Like, you and I were messaging about this I don't really know if any of the jobs are attractive there's a zillion head coaching jobs open right now um you and I kind of settled on the Jags and the Bears because at least from there you're just kind of going up with a young quarterback but I you know I had thrown out the Raiders but there's uncertainty there at quarterback and you made a good point like you're you you probably like what you what they did this year is going to be hard to reproduce. So in some ways, from a coaching perspective, it's not attractive, right? Because you don't want to be the coach who makes things worse. So right. I don't know. Like if you, it, just let me ask you, you're Ben Solak, you're the most attractive head coaching head coach candidate on the market. Which of these jobs oh, would you take? Uh, right. I think it is Jacksonville, Chicago. I'd probably take Chicago if I can get into the building. And say I'd like Oof. keep Sean Desai. Uh, the thing is, like, what am I looking for mm-hmm. as a head coach? I'm looking for time to get done what I want to get done without getting fired. And if there's anything the McCaskey family yeah. showed me with Nagy, it's that I will have time. They showed it with 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 Pace as well. We can get guys in the building, and we can give this a three or four year run, and that's that's the leash the other guy got. And I think I can get this team to 500, and then kind of be pseudo competitive enough that they'll give me that long leash that Nagy got. So I like the Bears job for that. I also really like Fields. Like, you know, I like Fields. Mm-hmm. Everybody knows I like Fields. Like, I love Lawrence as well. And so like Jacksonville's got the third youngest roster. They have the third most cap space. Like, that's a an opportunity to rebuild things. The issue there is yeah. the GM is is in place. And 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 the Bears, I believe, have have secured Ryan Poles. They've hired him officially. But the GM in place in, in Jacksonville is Trent Balky. And just, you know, the vibe right. in the league is not, not a lot great. of people really want to work with Trent Balky. And so no. it's one of those two jobs because you feel confident you have the young quarterback solved. And that's always the biggest hurdle to overcome. Chicago, you you throw some darts on defense, try to get lucky, try to get a little bit more depth. But in general, you're drafting offensive line, signing mm-hmm. offensive line, drafting receiver, signing receiver, and showing within one or two years, hey, I can build an offense around fields. And that's going to give you all the time. So basically, you, you have to re you have to rebuild the entire offense around Justin Fields. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm with you to some extent, but man, there that is there are a lot of holes on that roster. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, there's a lot of holes on Jacksonville's roster. I, it's not great. Look, like, okay, I'm going to let's just put a pin in this because there's actual football to be discussed. And there's going to be a lot of time this offseason to talk about these rebuilding teams and um, what they have to do moving forward. But uh, th- so the way I, th- I figure we could do this is like, let's reflect back on the divisional round and then talk about the two winners and in both cases they're rematches which do you like rematches I feel like rematches are the best because well maybe it's just because as an analyst it's a lot easier because yeah, you have something to work off of yeah right uh in the case of San Francisco and Los Angeles you got so much to work off of but um let's start with the Bengals so I 
was reflecting on like, okay, what surprised me the most this weekend? Uh, you know, things that I didn't anticipate. And I think I thought the Bengals defense would have a harder time with the Titans offense. And what I've been trying to puzzle out um, thinking about this game is how much of it is me underestimating the Bengals defense, which I think as the year got went on, I, I started to, I realized was better than I thought, um, better coached than I thought. Mm-hmm. And the defensive line, I think, was really impressive in this game. And we could talk about um, DJ Reader and BJ Hill and, and such. But I also think Ryan Tannehill was worse than I thought. And I, I kind of had that realization, I don't know, maybe like the second or third time uh, he tried to force it into double coverage. I, 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 I'm trying to puzzle out how much credit to give Cincinnati for what happened on that side of the ball. Where do you fall? I, I struggle to get there in terms of, of right giving them like the full bill of credit. I think that you, you said it well. They're very well coached defense. Like Lou Anaromo has been to me impressive this year, especially because it's like a B B plus defense across the board. Like Cheeto, Wuzier, and Mike Hilton and, and Eli Apple. Like it's not a great corner unit. You don't have a clear lockdown number one. It's pretty solid. Like those guys have clear yeah. talents. They have they have unique strengths as well. Like Hilton, like as a blitzer and whatever. That's awesome. That defensive line. Oh, you know Trey Hendrickson. Like he's not like an elite rusher. You know Larry Ogunjobi's not an elite three tech. They win with length. They win with size. They can eat up space. Like DJ Reader is a really really good role player in terms of being able to mm-hmm. eat space as a nose tackle. Right. Logan Wilson is just a good coverage backer, and they they yes. work around all these B level players who have these these good skills and they kind of play defense with 11 and it's impressive we like it better when there are stars right you look at like rams versus niners it's like all right nick bosa fred warner jalen ramsey aaron donald i know how this defense works because i know who the stars are Bengals don't really have a star on defense but they're a holistic unit who understands what they do well and that is it's very easy to underrate that group i agree with that said uh you know the titans had like 6.8 yards per play uh, they were so it was like a yard and a half more than the Bengals produced on offense. Uh, they were, I want to say, really bad on third down, one for eight on third downs, and there was a couple drops, right? There was some bad throws by Tannehill. Like the the margin plays, the turnovers, the third yeah. downs make this scoreboard more lops, uh, not look as lopsided as it actually did. Titans just moved the ball better on offense than the Bengals did. Scoreboard don't reflect that as well. And so I, I do think it's a underappreciated defense writ large, but now you're going up against the Chiefs. And the thing about the yes. Chiefs is that if you don't have stars, Whoa. you're it's really tough to hang for four quarters. I, I will say I agree with you. And I also think um, something I underestimated was just kind of the matchup issue with Tennessee. Like, uh, you know, I, I I knew DJ Reader was good, but mm-hmm. um, realizing like, OK, so Tennessee on offense, we know what they want to do. They want to run the ball and use play action. And what Cincinnati does is they've got um, this really, really good nose tackle solid linebacker play, and then they play a lot of zone defense. They disguise coverage a lot, uh, and I think mm-hmm. that gave Tannehill some cr- some trouble because I don't know if you felt this way, but he was holding on to it, uh, yeah. I guess, a lot longer than I remembered maybe earlier in the season. And uh, and certainly on that first interception to Bates, he was holding on to it too long. Um, incredible play by Bates, who, by the way, I know you're saying about the stars is true, but yeah. Jesse Bates... The last two games has been an absolute superstar, and that's the thing. Is and, I said, and, I yes. said before the game, like Bates has not loved tackling and playing physical this year, and he absolutely cannot get away with that against the Titans. Bates brought his hard hat, man. That was a playoff performance. Yes. Like he, 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 and the last game too, dude. Fans. Like the last game, uh, the wild card round as well. I was like, oh my god, where was this Jesse Bates all year? This is yeah. the guy we were gassing up the year before. So, um, yeah, they, they are a good defense, and I think I didn't give them sufficient credit, but I also think. Uh, Ryan Tannehill just kind of 
the re- the regression kind of hit, and I don't want to put it all on him, but like when I just staying on this side of the ball, um, ultimately, like you kind of have to. I I, I mean, I you know, the, I think the Titans really were lacking at tight end, and that certainly hit them at the mm-hmm. end, and a little bit. It's just sort of the stuff we thought going into the season in terms of the receiver depth, and obviously Henry wasn't the Henry that we remember coming back from injury, but ultimately, like, they lost because of Ryan Tannehill. Yeah, uh, Deontay Lee of PFF wrote about uh, Tannehill and the Titans offense a little bit in his, in his column this week. Uh, he had the Bengals, PFF does, as playing zone on 23 of, of the Titans' 27 dropbacks. Uh, that's 13 for 20, 173, a touchdown and two picks <laughs> for Tannehill, which is just not good enough against zone. Uh, also in the piece, he brings up that Tannehill's, like, touchdown to interception ratio against zone this year was, like, five to 11 or something ridiculous. Really? Yeah. That's really, really not good. Uh, It's a, it's a position where you lost Arthur Smith and you added Todd Downing. It's not dissimilar. What's happening with the Rams, Brandon Staley, Raheem Morris. Yeah. You're still running the same stuff in terms of the big dials, right? In terms of the big signals, play action, condensed sets, you know, what run scheme is this? But in terms of the little stuff, in terms of the very fine adjustments, the coaching points, the, the small edges that really stir the drink here, it's very hard to just replicate a, a coach and the way he he puts his personal stamp on a system. So yeah, they're running drift, they're running in breakers, they're running duo with Derrick Henry and throwing play action behind it. It's the same stuff, but it's not the same stuff because the the the, the guy who designed it, the guy who installed it, isn't there, and you're cosplaying a little bit, and so you you start well, to lose the edges that really made Tannehill special in this system. And you're talking about these edges that amount to like I don't know what could be a difference of like a tight window throw, like, right. I don't know, two yards of separation. And then when you have a Ryan Tannehill, who's like a little bit less accurate and a little bit slower. And, you know, like that's when you you get these interceptions or misses. And um, I think that really showed up in this game. I think uh, on the other side of the ball, I mean, and this is very pertinent headed into the, into the next round, which we'll talk about. I, I was arguing a little bit with Dan Orlovsky about the, so I've watched these nine sacks, like, I don't know. Yeah. I feel like a dozen times. Uh, and it's hard to parse out exactly how much blame. Like, okay, let me ask you this way. Like, if you have a blame pie, how much of the sacks? So, so Joe Burrow, for, I mean, if you're listening to this, you know this. Joe Burrow was sacked nine times and he's so on. How much of that do you put on the Bengals' offensive line just getting their asses kicked by a very, very good Titans front? How much of it do you put on Joe Burrow not checking it down, holding on, drifting back? Uh, you know, or or by the way, um, being uh, duped by right. the Titans' pressure looks, and how much of it do you put on Zach Taylor? Man, I I so very badly want to go like thirty three, thirty three, thirty three, which is just not fair and not the point of the exercise. I think three of the sacks were on Burrow, though, so yeah, it actually I might mean, be accurate. Right, it might be. I the, the thing is, like overall, over the course of the season. 100% of it is on Zach Taylor because there's just no need for the Bengals to be this bad in pass protection mm-hmm. for this long. And they have had the same mm-hmm. problems week in and week out. They have they made changes on the right side of their line before Riley Reef got injured, after Riley Reef got injured. None of them are working, and they're, they're not doing anything to fix that. They've been bad in five-man protection all year. They've been bad in empty all year. Guess what? They still just live in on a down-to-down basis. Them Five-man protection just doesn't work. So, like, overall... Zach Taylor is the guy with whom I'm the most frustrated because there are solutions to this that should be implemented. And like, yeah, when they get Uzoma and Samaj P. Ryan, their backup uh, running back in the protection, like those guys are good. They understand what they're doing. And that helps. But in general, especially since the Riley Reef injury, they've been so, so, so bad on the offensive line in the the small scope, right? With, with, with an eyes focused on this Titans game. 
Burrow should have understood that he needed to be getting rid of the ball quicker there by the second half, where it's just like, all right, yeah. holy smokes, you know what I mean? Like yeah. th this is dominance up front. This is a bloodbath. It just has to be, you know, two two seconds, two point two five seconds on time to throw, like whatever it is, get rid of this ball quickly and go. But at the same time, there's something about Burrow getting hit that just unlocks him, and there's something about Burrow getting blitzed. There's something about him getting pressure. Like he is a moxie player. There's no two ways about it. And so when he's holding that ball for a long time and he's taking that shot in the chin, yeah, like nine sacks is a playoff record. But also, it, it he seems to get better the longer he hangs in that pocket and the more willing he gets, to like take that hit and then throw that contested ball. That's how they built this offense, and I don't like it. I've complained about it all year, but they're in the freaking AFC Championship game. So at some point, you got to give them their flowers. It is kind of stylistically, it's not the same, but at all actually. But um, what you're talking about is kind of the same compromise with um, Russell Wilson and Deshaun Watson. Uh, I would say a few years ago, where it's like, okay, both have it, these. This feels like a unsustainable sack rate, and you're getting a lot of negative plays. But holy smokes, when you get the positive plays, when yep. when this dude, it, you know what I mean? It looks different because I'm. Um, I mean, well, you know, Burrow does extend in similar ways, you know, but it, it is more like hanging in there like just a tick longer than he should. And half the time he suffers for it, but half the time he finds Jamar Chase and it's absolutely insane. I will say, though, like the quick passing game works. I think that's kind mm -hmm. of what's frustrating is they have the sort of skill players where the ball can come out quickly and this offense can move the chains. And that's not just when, like, Jamar Chase, you know, houses, like, a, a screen or whatever, which right. does, is a thing that happens and happened to Kansas City, which we'll talk about. But um, generally, like, I think the pieces are in place so that Joe Burrow does not need, like, the ball, uh, the average depth of target can be lower and it's still a good offense. Uh, and I think, like you said, it's always a question of, okay, when do you make that switch and how much do you let Burrow hang in there. And I, I don't have a good answer for that, especially against a team like Kansas City where you're going to have to get explosives. Yeah, and when you when you watch the film against Kansas City, uh, they they go to their empty, right? And what does Steve Spagnuolo do when he gets empty? He cackles like a maniac and he sends pressure because he's a nutcase, right? Uh, mm -hmm. Against the Blitz, like Burrow was, was average. Like he's been quite good against the Blitz this year, but against uh, Kansas City's Blitzes, he was pretty average. Against uh, uh, when, when until they, he wasn't right when they didn't blitz on PFF's charting, he was 24 for 30, 354 yards. That's like 11.8 yards per attempt. Uh, he had four touchdowns and no interceptions. Right when you give him time, right, and when, when you give him the ability to sit in that pocket, understand he's got a four man rush, but he knows what you're dropping into coverage, he'll take like it'll be like a 2.5 second drop back, right? So it'll be like relatively quick. And he'll take the one-on-one, -on -one, right? He will three-step drop and chuck it. And it doesn't matter if Isaiah Prince is getting beaten in like 0.01 seconds, as was happening for the entire Bengals game. All mm. the or all the entire Chiefs game. All the Chiefs did was just win the rush off the right side, win the rush off the right side. And he's just throwing 28-yard bomb to Jamar Chase on third and 27. And a key conversion that saves the game, right? So when you're rushing with four, if you're not if you're static on the back end. He's going to take his his look pre-snap. He's going to find an explosive. So they try to change things up, right? The Titans did this lot where they disguise stuff. The Chiefs did yes. this lot where they disguise stuff. Sometimes you get them. Sometimes you don't. And when you don't and you bust, you get the 75-yard Jamar Chase catch and run touchdown, two of which happened against the Chiefs, right? So it's a little bit damned if you do, damned if you don't. If you're going to give Burrow a, a four-man rush, you absolutely 100% better get home because he is smart enough that he can dice you. But if you're going to either A, bring pressure, or B, give him a static look pre-snap, 
he will take T Higgins one-on-one Jamar chase one-on-one outside the numbers until the cows come home. And they are good enough at this point where that shouldn't work, but it does. And again, like it's annoying, but they're here in the AFC championship games. It's hard to argue with it. They're good, but they only, they didn't score that many. Like, well, I mean, I mean, some of that was just, um, the Bengals struggling in the red zone against Tennessee, but obviously that that's not going to cut it against Mm -hmm. the chiefs. Um, who, I mean, let's just talk about the Chiefs offense now, and then we'll talk about the matchup at the end. Um, Mahomes is just... I, <laughs> this last game, am I being a prisoner of the moment if I say, no. I think, right... Okay, yeah. I don't right, even so right now, take. Yeah. <laughs> nope. He's... This is... This is... He's... He's... What is... You guys have, like, some gamer nerd term for when someone's in their final form, right? Like, uh, is it just final form? I don't I feel know. Like, I feel like it's final form. Derek was last week. I, I have I'm far less of the vernacular lock. You guys are always... So, S-tier is the one I learned. Ah, uh, uh, yes. S-tier? Okay, is he don't, S-tier? Don't ask me why S-tier is above A-tier. I find that very upsetting. Uh, things oh, should go in order. We shouldn't just change the order for fun. Uh, but no, I, 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 I understand your point. This guy's in a different <laughs> level right now, right? He's just a different cat. This from is- his MVP season, not yeah. from earlier in the season, which obviously is playing better. Mm-hmm. He looks better to me, Ben, than he did when he was the MVP of the league. I, I, I don't even... Like right now, there are no flaws in his game. And what struck mm-hmm. me so much watching the Bills game... And I think there'll be a lot of similarities in terms of how the Bengals defense plays him, which is why it's very relevant. Um, the combination of patience and and fearlessness in every moment is mm-hmm. stunning, right? Like Patrick Mahomes said, oh, okay, like you're going to play the exact same way, Bills, that you played in week five or whatever. I'm, I will gladly take what's in front of me. But here's what's new. I will also make bonkers plays out of structure. I will also navigate a muddy pocket like freaking Tom Brady. I will also use my legs if you leave the middle of the field open. There is nothing I cannot do right now as a football player. I feel like I'm being hyperbolic. Please bring me down a notch. I will not. I will take you up a notch. Uh, this, the, the, um, it's 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 a a sensation where he now feels like he's seen it all, right? Even when Mahomes was was taking the Chiefs to the Super Bowl and when they were winning Super Bowls and he was a revelation in the league, there there was a newness there that gives you an internal feeling in Kansas City that gives other teams an in, an internal feeling in their process that says, all right, at some point somebody's going to figure out something, right? It's like <laughs> when the Patriots stopped the Rams in the Super Bowl on national television. Yeah. Right? It's like, oh, like there's an answer. Thank there's God. There's a like, solve. Yeah. Like we wipe we wipe our brow. We're going to be all right. And then everybody does it. So this year, that's what you get, right? You get teams that are just going to we're going to play too high. We are never, ever, 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 ever going to blitz him ever. It's the yes. worst thing in the world. And we're just going to try to suffocate as many windows as we can, get a little bit of turnover regression, and hopefully he pushes the ball into some windows that he shouldn't. We can rush with four because he leaks out of the back of the pocket. That's that's one of his only flaws. And it was like, all right, we got it. Like, this he doesn't even do that anymore. He doesn't and, do right. that anymore. And that's the thing Sorry. is that all he, he matured, right? He Freaking became crazy. more. He he ascended to his final form. There you go, Mina. And now we're at the point where uh, it's it's like Thor putting the axe into Thanos's chest, man. Like we had him, <laughs> we had him, and we yeah, we yeah. just missed. Like uh, Eric Eager, I think he tweeted out from PFF. He said, "Do not wound what you can't kill." Talking about oh Mahomes' God. adjustment after too high. Like, if we yes. had him, we needed to he, put like, him down. He found the antidote. He found we the antidote. Yes. Those, we needed to win he, those middle-of-the-season games. We needed to get him out of the playoffs, but we didn't. And we gave him enough time to realize, oh, I can play slower. I can play more controlled. I can play within myself. Yeah. And eventually, they 
will give me the mistakes. So, they will give me the moments, and that's ridiculous. In, in the in the moment, I was like, I mean, obviously at the end of the game, they really the Chiefs, the Bills defense, pardon me, really screwed up, and mm-hmm. you know whatever. This is everyone's talked about this a million times. There's nothing to add there. They screwed up, but. In the game, I was really disappointed by the Chiefs' defense. I was like, ah, I thought that, you know, this is where no Tredavious White is killing them. I mean, that was true. They were attacking, uh, like, Levi Wallace, you know, and the other corners. And I felt like they weren't getting enough pressure. But when I rewatched it, they were actually getting decent pressure. I mean, the Chiefs' offensive line is is good. But the Bills' pass rush was actually better than I remembered. Mm -hmm. It was just that Mahomes was so elusive and... That to me is what just is so bonkers watching him now. Like obviously, you know the the crazy physics defying throw and um, all of that. But I think it's like the footwork that really yeah. blows me away now because that is to me the bigger differentiator between, like you said, the early beta alpha out of whatever version of Mahomes and the one I don't know what I'm talking about. Well, the one we're seeing now, right? Um, I I got you know. I gotta think that um, the Bengals are gonna play them similarly. Uh, I was trying to remember, like, okay, in the first game, or pardon me, week 18, uh, when the Chiefs and the Bengals played, obviously Mahomes had success then, and, you know, it was just like ended up being kind of a shootout. But I was trying to think, like, is there anything that the Bengals did in this that the Chiefs can't do that might give this defense. I don't know, an edge relative to Buffalo, and I couldn't really come up with anything. Uh, no, right. I think if you're going to make any argument, it's this. Uh, when you have a really good pocket manager, the way that Mahomes is, right, you want to rush to force him to move somewhere you expect, right? When we deal with yes. statues in the pocket, right, we can rush and we can get to him. But when guys are really good at managing the pocket and guys are really good at escaping the pocket, Mahomes is good at both, which is critical. There's a difference between like that little quick step that buys you a half second and then that like incredible athletic escape that breaks you out in, into space. Mahomes can do both. So you have to rush him to a point where you believe you can. You All right, we're going we're gonna to blitz off his right side and we're going to push him to the left and then we're going to loop a defensive tackle and he's going to be there waiting for him on the left. So you have to rush with intention. That's something you can do if you're Cincinnati because you have Hendrickson and Hubbard which the Bills Mm. couldn't do as well because they're a little bit more speed rush oriented where you can rush through the tackles, right? Uh, Orlando Brown, I know, has gotten love and recognition this year and and, and it was a good trade and all that. I find him to be a guy that you can beat in in pass protection. Certainly when they have to play Andrew Wiley on the right side, you can beat him in pass protection as well. You should feel confident that your long power rushers can collapse the pocket on Mahomes and hopefully suffocate his escape lanes. That is your best conversation because you're not covering for long enough uh, the Bengals lack team speed in in, in the defensive backfield like I said they're really really smart and their quality in that way and Jesse Bates can fly around but like Cheeto Wuze isn't the fastest guy uh Von Bell's not the fastest guy uh, they put Bell on Kelsey a lot it did not go well for them in that first game I, I think they had more solution. success when they put was it Trey Flowers that they put on Kelsey yeah, at some point so, yeah so they had a little bit more success with that but again it's kind of something right. I'm like is that gonna happen yeah. again That's the thing is, so, a lot of the regular season success against Kelsey was like that press style with like a big corner yes safety. if you have yes like yes Kelsey's doing the same thing that we just talked about with Jesse Bates playoff time he's kind of putting his, his t- suit and tie Dude, on and I know bit, no you know? I mean you're you're 100% right like yeah all the games where Travis Kelsey kind of disappeared during the regular season I'd be watching and I'd be like damn like did he just get Jammed again? Like it, it was a little bit perplexing because he's Travis Kelsey. He's one of the greatest tight ends of all time, and that that is gone. That is gone. 
Um, yep. I think that the Bengals' best chance of this is on the, is trying to make it a shootout again. Um, and so just the Chiefs' defense, um, you know, to talk about the other side of the ball, um, they can be exploited. Uh I, I do. We, we we have to acknowledge that Josh Allen also ascended to S tier in this game. Um, holy smokes! Um, I God, I, it's hard because we're like there's a little bit of distance from that performance, but it was unbelievable. Uh, you know when Honey Badger went out. When did he go out? The second quarter. We with the concussion. Oh, so it was quite early, yeah. So I think they've already said he's on track to play. So him and, and Rashad Fenton, by the way, who is not um, available in this game. But that was it was kind of a wrap for Kansas City on that side of the ball. I mean, they just simply didn't have the personnel to handle all of the Bills' skill players. Um, so, you know, shout out to Josh Allen. And, 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 you know, like one note for Bills fans, by the way, moving forward, I know sometimes you feel like, God, I can't believe we made it this far with this roster. Are we ever going to be this good again? When you have a quarterback that good, it doesn't matter. But also, what I jumped out to me in this game was a lot of their young talent played really well. Um, yeah. Defensively, you had guys like Greg Rousseau, who almost got to Mahomes so many times. And then Gabriel Davis you uh, jumped, emerges as a number two, a perfect pairing with Stephon Diggs. You're going to be good again. So it's okay, guys. Like Maybe losing Dable hurts, but whatever. But Chiefs, defensively, a um, lot to be concerned about, I thought, yeah. even acknowledging that Josh Allen's a freak. Yeah, uh, we're our weekly Daniel Sorensen snap update. He played ninety-two percent of the snaps well, against the Bills. Uh, it's not, it's not so, where you want to be personally. I mean, but he probably won't if Honey Badger's back. Uh, mm-hmm. So you know, they've been playing more nickel, right? As the years gone on. Um, so let's talk about this actually. So you're the you're the you're the Chiefs defense in the last game. Jamar Chase cooked you, sauteed you, carved you up, ate you, just. For breakfast, lunch, and dinner, what is your approach this time around? Right. So it depends on what the Bengals want to do with Chase. Uh, A lot of the times when they wanted to get to Chase in the first game against uh, Kansas City, they did what a lot of teams typically do, which is they said, we're going to put three or four guys over to this side of the formation. Mm -hmm. We're going to put Jamar Chase over here on that side of the formation. If you give us one-on-one, we're going to take it. Yeah. (laughs) Always. Uh, And that is a situation where Traverius Ward got asked to go up on the line of scrimmage, press, right? Rashad (laughs) Fenton got asked to put on the line of scrimmage, press. Fenton's a big guy. He he can be a bully a little bit. Uh, Ward, not as great. Uh, Ward would like be in Chase's hip pocket down the field too. It's just Burrow will put it up there. And Jamar Chase's ability to commit offensive pass interference and not get called for it, my personal favorite play in the world, is like veteran level. Uh, and so you're going to be frustrated. You saw these these Chiefs defensive backs get really, really frustrated during this Bengals game because they felt like they were in good positions. Yeah. They felt like they were reading routes out correctly uh, and they were just not getting rewarded for it because it was either an incredible completion or it was a defensive pass interference flag. So I think you had to do the same thing in terms of you're, you're a team that wants to press. You built the cornerback room to press. We're going to have to do that. When you get empty and Jamar Chase is like on the three receiver side, that's where the, the Chiefs love to do their split safety match stuff. All of that is great, but usually that stuff is built to get like brackets on the slot, brackets on number three, right? Rob like the quick out, Rob the quick inbreaker, stuff like that. You have to find a way to get safety help over number one which is really, really hard to do when mm-hmm. teams go full spread like that. And T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd and C.J. Ozoma are still legitimate threats, especially because if you're getting that safety over number one, you're leaving the guy on number three, man-to-man on an island. And that's like Nick Bolton or Willie Gay. And that's already still a mismatch. And that's why, like, 
I know coming off that Chiefs game, we're all positive that the Chiefs run the Bengals into the ground. And I also, like, I think that's going to happen. But there are a lot of realities in which this thing becomes another who has the ball last extravaganza. Yeah, no, the, the Chiefs do not have matchups across the board. Well, if the Bengals want to live in four wide, which is what they should do, they're going to be fine. Yeah, I, I don't think, it's weird because I didn't think the Titans secondary was great shakes. I do think they have very good safeties, though. Mm-hmm. Um, but... Watching them, like I said earlier, I was like a little bit, uh, I was like, oh, I kind of underestimated how well coached this Titans defense is. And I also feel like, you know, the Chiefs can't necessarily reproduce. Their, I mean, the, the Chiefs have a very, they're built entirely differently, not just at the back end, but also up front. Although I will say, Ben, um, you know, you talked a little bit about blitzing Burrow and sort of um, some of the ways he can punish you when you don't. The Chiefs had some success rushing four the first time these yep. teams played. And I'll be interested. I mean, I know we're, we we just kind of assume it's Steve Spagnolo and he's going to do what he does. But um, I actually think he'll probably take an approach similar to what he did against Josh Allen, even though some of that had to do with losing Honey Badger. I don't think he's going to blitz like crazy. Um, and I do think that some of it, like. Uh, you, you're gonna, you're look. You're gonna get burnt for like a few Jamar Chase go balls, yeah. but like when you look back at it, like I, I think you just can't let him how like turn those little slants and screens into fifteen plus yard plays. Like so much of it was just horrible tackling, and I think that's somewhere like Kansas City. They, I, I don't, I really don't think they can, they can perform as bad as they did in the first, or probably in Week eighteen, uh, in that respect. No, the tackling was so, 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 so bad in it's, that Week 17 it, yeah. game. And, like... 17, not 18. Yeah, Teron Matthew, like, I don't know. He just didn't look like he really wanted to be there on that day. Like, I, it's a nightmare offense to yeah. deal with. And he gets really frustrated with the uh, the rest of the secondary. And I get why, because they're they're kind of tough to play with. Um, But, like, he took some really bad angles, right? They had multiple busted coverages that led to, to big explosive gains and big touchdowns. So it's a little bit like, all right, you know, that was embarrassing. That was bad. You don't like the fact you lost that game. Well, now you're playing a home game in the playoffs and the Super Bowl is waiting for you. Like, you just expect everybody to be a little bit sharper, a little bit more physical, a little bit better. Spagnola's defenses have typically, like, really had nice runs in the playoffs as well. So you're confident with all of that and you feel good about that. The one thing that I will say is that I, I am fine with walking into the game and saying, all right, we're going to rush with four. Uh, we're not going to blitz as much. We think we can win our rush yeah. with four because the Bengals line is that bad. If you aren't stopping this Getting offense yeah. yeah if you aren't stopping this offense with gonna... that, you're gonna turn real quick because you have to after a guy just took nine sacks you have to in the building be thinking about man if we can hit him early if we can get getting him down early, he's gonna. This yeah. is this is a second year quarterback in the AFC Championship game at Arrowhead Stadium. If we can get him a couple times on the first drive, he's gonna start to push. And that was the thing: no turnovers for the Chiefs defense. I just last game. Oh, that's a good point. And you're com- but you're coming off of a game where. You just saw Melvin Ingram put the Bills' right tackle in an absolute mm-hmm. hell, uh, and and Josh Allen's a freak, and he got away from him a few times. Now you're looking at the bit the right side of the Bengals line. Yeah, buddy. I tr- I trust that dude. That dude looks so fast right now. Um, I I I hear you, and it's Steve Spagnuolo, and I know he's gonna do it, and. I just it's it, to me it's going to be all about the timing of it and obviously the execution and then yeah just not 
committing many, many egregious penalties. Um, so I do, I do lean Chiefs, but I also agree with you that the Bengals' offense could make it closer than people are expecting. Right. Oh, we, we say all this, and then the Bengals are finally going to catch some bad regression, miss some of those deep balls, score like 13 points. Because that's well, waiting or, for them. It's waiting for them. I know. Or Zach Taylor's going to call a bunch of if, early down oh runs Oh, my God. If quarter. you look at the box score, like, okay, the uh, the early down passes for the Bengals. Oh, no, I have the Titans game, Frank. All right, whatever it was, it was like early down passes, 0.5 EPA, early down runs, like negative 0.6. Okay. There's no need for this, Zachary. Makes me so mad no thinking need. about it. All right, well, we'll get to the Rams in a second. Actually, all right, let's take a quick break, come back, talk about the NFC side of things. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. And I have to say, speaking from experience recently, having tried it for the first time in Detroit, it is... Absolutely delicious. Right now, you can get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. As you guys know... NFL teams can make mistakes when it comes to spending money. For example, cover years, Broncos fans. Russell Wilson has a $53 million cap hit this year. <laughs> but uh, unlike the uh, Walton family, I'm guessing people listening to this podcast don't have millions to spend. Maybe some of you do. I don't know. Get at me. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products, and they decided to do something better. They found their own way to make a beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of other big brands. So you never wonder if you overpaid. They have customizable delivery options for scheduled refills as low as $2, which is half of what you pay for big brands. Convenient subscription options that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best does not mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash M-I-N-A. That's harrys.com slash Mina for a $3 trial set. All right, so before we get to the Rams... Speaking of early down runs, that made me scream. Um, Niners Packers. Uh, I enraged. I didn't know there there is a Jimmy G hive. Did you know that? They are uh, strong. They are yep. out there. It uh, is listen, it is a real thing. Quarterback wins, baby. You may not have heard of this before. New breaking news yeah. on the uh, on the advanced stats. Jimmy Garoppolo, baby. So, <laughs> um. The Niners are the ultimate matchup team, which is why they're so fun. They're the matchup team for the Ram- they're the matchup nightmare for the Rams. We'll talk about that, but they're also a matchup problem for San Francisco. Uh, I think let, just offensively, or pardon me, they're not, for Green Bay, not San Francisco. Um, offensively, uh, it was kind of interesting because I actually said this. You know, I was like, the first half. I was like, wait, Jimmy G is like the only person who's actually not screwing up right now. Um, and then, you know, uh, they, they got the run game had some success. Debo did Debo things. I think as a Niners, if I'm a Niners fan, the what I'm alarmed by coming out of this win, and this is something that um, I was watching today, and I ended up clipping Rashawn Gary, but it was really about the Niners offensive line is in 
twubble yeah. right now. Shambles. Um, Tom Compton, not great, Bob. Uh, and then on the other side, uh, Trent Williams is, I think he's going to play, but he's battling. He's up against it. We're going to talk about Von Miller shortly. It's not ideal if you're hurt. Um, I Like, w- did you walk away? Did you come away from the Packers win feeling good about the Niners offense? No, I didn't. Uh, the offensive line concerns are legitimate. Uh, obviously, you don't expect to have as, as kind of drops heavy of a game as yeah. you did. You know, you had uh, some untimely Jimmy G turnovers, which I guess that's a weekly thing. You don't really, you know, add Should've that had to the more. calculus Should've now. Should have yeah. had more. Uh, but but what, what, you, what you really notice about the Packers and the way they got to match up, that's, I, I think, encouraging for Niners fans, is that this was a Joe Barry defense, right? Like Brandon Staley style, whatever. Uh, yes. That... Shanahan has historically run on very well, and he didn't run on them as well, especially to the Niner standards, as I expected, as a lot of people expected. And that's because, like, you can you get in these, they put, like, three down, right? They run a bare front, so you got, like, three down linemen, and then mm-hmm. you put these outside linebackers, like, way, way, way wide, like, way outside the tackles. And what you're telling Shanahan is, you are not getting to the boundary on us. And Shanahan historically has said, fine, like, I don't, uh, cool, I will run inside of those guys. I have a, the, I have a gamut of C-gap runs that, like, no one else in the league has. I will be able to find a way to run inside of those dudes. The problem is, for the Packers, those outside, stand-up outside linebackers are Zadarius Smith, Preston Smith, and Rashawn Gary. They are humongous people, right? And, and you saw them come down and, and collision. Kyle you should collision George Kittle and yeah. set a hard edge on all these outside runs with such physicality that really the Niners are not accustomed to playing against. Usually when you check and Kittle hit a guy, he moves. And in this instance, they're hitting a guy and they're moving. And the Niners did not have a solution to that. You're now going against Raheem Morris. He's going to play a yeah, lot of bear. Different. He can play a lot, a lot of bear fronts, but those outside linebackers are Leonard Floyd and Von Miller. Same. Yeah. They are yeah. trying to knife. They are trying to be slippery. They're trying to be underneath. And mm-hmm. and you've seen that work. Like they'll get some TFLs. They fit the run really, really well out of those fronts, but it's not the same physical dominance. And you didn't have Trent Williams in that week 18 game. So while the the X's and O's look similar, I think the body types for the Rams aren't enough to do what the Packers did. Talking about those outside guys, as well as Devondre but, Campbell with Troy Reader. Like I think that they have the X's and X's yep. and O's, they're gonna be okay. Yeah, the approach will be totally different too, right? Like the pack, I mean, it being zero degrees and Jimmy Garoppolo kind of floating those balls. They were playing a ton of man coverage. Um, and, and, you know, like uh, they were able to, I, I think, get more out of, I mean, it, Kyle Shannon, it really was like watching what you squeeze blood from a stone. Is that what you yeah, do? You, is that You draw blood from a stone. You draw, how do, but why is the blood in the stone? Is this a Bible thing? I don't think so. I think it's just a weird idiom thing. Good. We'll check it out. Okay. Anyways, whatever. He was drawing blood from the stone, and God, you know, credit to him. And uh, it felt like every George Kittle catch was just, like, just enough yards on third down. And, like, you know, just did all – they did everything possible. They cut, I mean, literally I'm looking up, and there's a screen with the Trent Williams motion play, you know, happening. It was just like, ah, oh, like, oh, whatever, you know, I could takes in this one. Um and ultimately, like, I thought the Packers' defense was extremely good in this game. Uh, and uh, far from the problem, the Packers' offense, on the other hand, nightmare fuel. I-, I think, as a Packers fan, that's just where you come away from being so disappointed. But also, I think you have to acknowledge that, um, again, matchups, matchups, matchups. I think a big part of the reason why 
the Packers have historically struggled against the Niners. So, so in the past, a lot of it has been the Niners' ability to run on Green Bay. But in this game, Ben, when I was watching them, I, mm-hmm. I was thinking like, oh, another huge problem for Green Bay right now with their Adams-centric offense and nothing else and short passes that aren't there is um, the pa- the Niners are one of the few teams in the NFL that have a dominant four-man rush and a dominant coverage linebacker. Yeah. And that formula is just the worst possible combination for this iteration of Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, and the... Uh... Coming into the game, there was so much of a conversation like, what are the the Niners going to do against Devontae Adams? And the reality is like the Niners have been being beat by elite wide receiver ones all year, right? They got like absolutely big boy mm-hmm. by A.J. Brown. They gave up a lot to Devontae when they played a week three. But in general, the Niners on defense, and I, I love this about them. I love the philosophy is if you have an elite guy, they're like, all right, fine. Just whatever. <laughs> like this is so, such a nightmare. We don't have anybody who can cover him. We don't care. We're going to play. Our, our drop seven. We're going to play our zones. We are really, really, really good in our zones. We're going to take away all the intermediate windows. We're going to play with big cushions so you don't want to throw it deep. And if you want to throw it to Devontae Adams 15 times underneath, go for it. We're going to hit him until he doesn't want to play football anymore. And that's the thing about this Niners defense. They are mean sons of guns. I mean, Jaquise Guitar, Jimmy Ward, Dre Greenlaw, and then obviously you're like your elite guy in Fred Warner. They hit over the middle of the yeah. field. And so when you get a guy like Devontae who's getting high volume, you know, it was Aaron Jones and Devontae Adams, the only receivers that the Packers are using because they're in all their their base stuff. They're in all their, oh, if you give us zone coverage and open, you know, no cover zone, open underneath windows, we just take them. And the Niners said, yep, good, fine. We're going to hit them. We're going to make them really not want to play football. And down the stretch, that starts to matter. That starts to accumulate in zero degree weather in the oh, fourth yes. quarter. <laughs> and when you have no alternatives, you know, especially with no Marquez ball to scantling to really take the top off that defense, stretch it out and try to make some room in that intermediate window. It, it, you, you end up saying, all right, we've run the same stuff over and over again, and we're not, not getting anywhere. That becomes really frustrating for a team that's not used to that. Yeah. I think there, there was a play earlier, early in the game. I think maybe the first quarter where it was back shoulder to Devonte, super tight window. And Aaron Rodgers has just been hitting that all year and he didn't hit it. And I kind of saw that. And I just kind of, that's right. when I felt Flash like if I was practicing, man, I'd be right. panicking. Yeah. Right. Cause we, how many times have we seen that this season at like outside the numbers has just been like handoff and um, it wasn't there. And not only was it not there, Rodgers kind of refused to acknowledge it wasn't there as the game went on. And, um, you know, starts just ignoring other receivers. I mean, the Lazard one is the one that uh, yeah. people have been locking on. But really throughout the game, and every time the Niners would uh, roll coverage or, you know, I, I feel like they barely blitzed him. I don't have the numbers. Yeah, in front of me. they put but, a lot um, of like, oh, we're going to blitz. And then they never did. Yeah. And that's the right way to do yeah. it. Yeah, right. You, you, you kind of had him in a state of, not just like uncertainty, but also like, am I going to get Devonte? Am I going to get Devonte? Am I going? Oh God, I'm not going to get Devonte. Ah, you know. And, and right. plus, this pass rush is freaking dynamite on both the outside and the inside. Um, and it's it's just again, it's a it was a matchup nightmare for Green Bay, um, especially it's, with it's, their offensive line having the issues that they have. It's just a really frustrating defense to play against. It's like we were talking about with Mahomes. When all they're doing is rushing four and dropping seven, and they're constantly giving you these, like, two linebackers to the A-gap, we're going to blitz, and then they bail every single time. You just go to the sideline like, will you freaking play man coverage once? Will you blitz me once? Because you, you, yeah, you're right. Rodgers. You know you can punish it. And they just will not give it to you. It says, all right, well, you know, eventually they're going to bust in zone. Zone's really hard to play for four quarters. Not a D'Amico Ryan's team, man. The way they play zone is really, well, really sound. Well, also, like, if they were playing a more 
like a dual threat quarterback, which you mm-hmm. know Rogers kind of really isn't at this point. Um, I think, like for example, well again they're playing zero degrees, whatever. But the version of like Mahomes and Allen we saw would punish a lot of these looks. Uh, and Aaron Rodgers just did not. But again, it's not just about the quarterback; it's about the options underneath. Yeah, the like they, as well, yeah. you know, this, yeah, and not just you talked about MVS not being able to stretch the field, but I think there were so many situations this game where if Robert Tunyon was on the field, um, Rodgers would have been able to hit him for some easier completions right. and kind of move the chains over the middle of the field. So it just kind of like ran out of dudes. Rodgers had a bad day. This Niners defense is extremely legit, but uh, so is this Rams defense. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think. The real, I don't know, story of the Rams-Bucks game was just simply pass rush and the trenches and um, the Rams absolutely dominated. This is actually, okay, so earlier I, I said kind of think, talking about some of the stuff with the Titans that surprised me. I knew that the Bucks would struggle without Tristan Wirfs on the right side and even if they helped him. I didn't know that the entire Bucks offensive line yeah. would struggle for the way they did. And I think that was the most shocking thing about all of this. Um, just simply how dominant every Rams pass rusher, every Rams defensive line was winning in this game. Raheem Morris, man. Uh, he, I don't know what he fed him. I don't know what he told him. I don't know what he's done all year. And like riddling out what he believes in defensively and like what he wants to be schematically and like the whole like kind of Brandon Staley, but not thing is, is difficult. But if there's anything we know for sure, it's that if Raheem wants to get a one-on-one for one of his pass rushers, he gets it tomorrow, right? His ability to get into formations and alignments and dictate personnel, dictate slides, get Aaron, Aaron Donald where he wants him to be, get Vaughn up against an attack with no chip help. Like they have been consistent all year getting their pass rushers in optimal positions. The one team I would say they've really struggled against in terms of doing that, the San Francisco 49ers. Now, Donald still dominates because this interior is not that great. You know, they've got guys you can take advantage of, but the Niners do such a good job neutralizing pass rushers. That's the most exciting part of this game. How can, if you watch Tom Compton get, I mean, absolutely just obliterated by Rashawn Gary, I don't know how you can't, figure out a way to get Von Miller on him. And Von Miller plays both sides, you know? So, mm-hmm. um, but, and also, I, I would also consider doing what you did in this one. You, you alluded to it, having Aaron Donald lined up um, at the five or seven tech as well. Like, I, you know, there's just, you have these four chess pieces up front because Gaines pushes as well. And um, I got to think, Unless the Niners can stay ahead of them, you know, with run, which is entirely possible and it's something that they've had a lot of success doing, I think that this Rams defense, this version of the Rams defense can find a way to tee off because this defensive line is has gotten better as the year has gone on. Von Miller has played better. I think every subsequent game he looks yes. better and better. Very and I was great. just saying to someone, he's 32 years old. I think he might be playing the best football he's played in like four years. Um, and obviously playing Aaron Donald will do that for you <laughs> next to Aaron Donald, pardon me. But um, yeah, I I, th- I just think defensively, like, so, you know, before I, I guess we're kind of skipping ahead to the the, the Niners. Um, we should also acknowledge, you know, that Tom Brady almost ended them. However, so much of that to me was more just about the fumbles and the turnovers and the 100%. Rams offense, which we'll get to, than the Rams defense. Like I actually have a lot of confidence still about this Rams defense coming off of the Bucks game. And what I want to see, Ben, is now spinning it forward. Okay, this Niners offense has given you problems for a couple of reasons. One, 
your the, the, their style of running, uh, the physicality that you mentioned, is not something that the Rams have historically done well with, historically, like the last couple of years. Also, um, that soft area, you know, your, your coverage linebackers can be exploited. That is, of course, what Kyle Shanahan measures in, and it is what Jimmy Garoppolo wants to do. Um, you know, they will find ways to make Jalen Ramsey not a part of this football game, and they will target your weaknesses, whether it's safety or linebacker, whatever. So uh, let me ask you this. How do you change it if you're Raheem Morris? Like, what can you do to make this different from the last couple of times you guys have played? It's a, it's a tremendous question because that's right. We had that game and the, the Rams could have knocked the Niners out of the playoffs and they weren't able mm. to. The key thing that that you mentioned that I think is really important for Raheem is that they played hide and seek with Debo Samuel for that entire second half of that yes. last game. They were down 17, nothing. And Jalen Ramsey followed him everywhere. Right. And Shanahan mm-hmm. said, OK, I'm going to throw at all the non Jalen Ramsey's. Right. And that's the thing is this. Is this yeah, you should do <laughs> this. Niners team is so good. Like you said, at taking advantage of matchups. That they said, all right, we have Brandon Ayuk, but we also have like Juwan Jennings. And if we get Juwan Jennings blocking Jordan Fuller in the box, we love that for our running game. We have George Kittle. You're putting Traylon Howard and 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 uh, 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 with 51, Troy Reader on the field. We're going to take it. We're going to take it every single play great. that we can until the cows come yeah. up. So you have to decide how you're going to deal with Debo as a wide receiver. I was a wide receiver in such a way that you still get Jalen Ramsey in the box because you need him to help fit the run. You cannot go back to putting Darius Williams in the box, like as the nickel, as the overhang current to fit the run against the Niners. They love Darius Williams in San Francisco. He is their favorite player on the Rams. So you have to find a way to decide that you're going to have Darius Williams or David Long play on Debo in coverage so you can get Jalen Ramsey to more maximal positions, more important positions uh, against Kittle and in the run fit. Is Debo going to burn you on a couple daggers? Yeah. But that's where you turn you to your pass rush. You turn to your pass rush and you say, if they're trying to run Debo 15 yards down the field, get there. Because Jimmy, yes. if you put anyone anywhere near him, that ball is sailing. So you're going to, you, and, you yeah. have to get Ramsey more involved in the game because they're, 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 the Niners are too successful at just avoiding him if you're just going to have him shadow Debo everywhere. I think what you're describing is exactly what they're going to do. Um, like Jalen Ramsey is going to, uh, like his heat chart is going to be the middle of the field, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and if, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo does connect, like you said, on either a deep ball or outside the numbers at all, you kind of just live with that because he's Jimmy, you know, you live with that kind of variance. Um, but it is remarkable, by the way, right? That we like know exactly what Jimmy Garoppolo is going to do, and like yeah. still defenses are has struggled to stop it because of the uh, run game as well. It, it's it's really marvelous when you think about it. And, and the first time these teams played, um, he, or, pardon me, well b- both times, but the last time in week say eighteen, um, you know Jimmy was good and he did connect on some of those. They throws were down seventeen nothing. He threw him back in it. Yeah, man, he really. So he's. Every now and then he'll go on like a streak where he makes some of those throws that you know we're always dubious of. So, yeah, we'll see. I I, I do think this. I I am very confident about the Rams' defense coming off of this Bucks game. The implosion was weird. Um, the thing though, so some of it you can chalk up to you know just fumbles and bizarreness and snaps and whatever, and that's not going to happen again. The one thing though that does alarm me is something that also happened in the Niners game, which was Sean McVay turtling up. So uh, I talked about this on NFL Live today, but I went back and counted after Cooper Cup fumbled. So they were up and then the Bucks scored and then they were up two scores, 27 to 13 at that point um, in the third quarter. So from that point on, Sean McVay called six runs on first down 
to one pass through the rest of the game. And as I was watching that, I was thinking about in the Niners game, I don't know if you remember, but at the end of the game, he called three back-to-back-to-back runs. They didn't get the first down, so they punted. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that conservatism is something that could really come like come back to bite them. And it's like, dude, you have a Ferrari now, and you're driving it like it's a Ferrari for most of the game. Don't, you know, I, I, I the Rams are best when they're, they're a balanced offense, obviously, but, like, don't forget who is playing quarterback for you right now and who your skill players are. Yeah, I was watch. I remember watching the, uh, the mega cast between the lines on Monday night when the Rams played the Cardinals. And Dana was really excited about how well the Rams were running the football. And appropriately so, right? They've needed to find that. Cam yeah. Akers looking the way he looks is awesome. But there's also a sense of like, oh, no. The worst thing right. that can happen to Sean McVay is him thinking he can run the football whenever he wants. Because when Sean McVay thinks that, Sean McVay runs the football a lot. Uh, and and yeah. that that's such an interesting narrative to me in this game is because McVay came up in an offense, the same offense that Shanahan came up in, that said... When you when this running game gets going, you can run it with impunity. You can run it on any front against any personnel. Like that's how good this running game gets. But when you acquired Stafford, you said to yourself internally, that is no longer enough. Like that that is what that message yeah. was when you moved on from Goff to Stafford. He said, We are no longer going to be that. And then Stafford had a Staffordian couple of weeks there in November, December, where he was just making dumb yeah. mistakes and testing coverage. And all of a sudden, McVay said, You know what we got to be able to do? run the football and it's like right. buddy you have been down this road it, it, you when you traded for Stafford you had to have understood that's a high variance player you got to dance with the one that brought you that you you traded yeah. golf because you couldn't get past the divisional round with him you just did so if you're going to build a lead against the Niners and then run it into the teeth of this defense you are playing yourself the Bucks, dude he ran it into the box too right. like it's like which is also, you know, so the, the Niners and the Bucks are both good run defenses. And yeah, it, so in the last game, by the way, like they, I don't know if you remember this, they could run for shit against San Francisco in week 18. Because um, this Niners defense, uh, you know, we we're talking about them against Green Bay, and Green Bay obviously couldn't run either, but they are, that they are freaking solid up front. And, um, you know, DJ Jones and DJ Reed are two best DJ defensive tackles in the NFL. Has this ever happened before? I don't know. <laughs> do, do but we have I, I, yeah, someone run that for me. But um, yeah, I, I just think like it's like Stafford makes that throw to Cup um, at the end of the game, you know, when he's running for the love of the game. And <laughs> the dagger concept. And we look at that and we say, yeah, that's why you brought Matt Stafford. And it's like, yeah, but you don't have to get to that point, dude. Like, your offense is such that, like, you sh- you don't have to, like, you you should be able to, I don't know, hit those intermediate throws when you're ahead throughout the game. Like, you, you shouldn't have to um, be in desperation mode ever with this offense, frankly. Even And I don't know. The, the Niners are a difficult matchup for them because, obviously, this is not... Everyone knows this. They don't have to blitz to get pressure, and you don't want to blitz Stafford. Well, it's not obvious, I guess. Todd Bowles did blitz the shit out of Stafford. So, okay, you don't have to blitz. Okay, so whatever. You don't have to blitz Matt Stafford. You shouldn't blitz Matt Stafford, pardon me. And the Niners don't have to, and it's why they are so good. Um, And I think, I guess my question for you is, offensively, like, what did you see out of Matt Stafford in the Bucs game that makes you think this time 
this matchup between the Rams offense and the Niners defense might play out differently? It's a tricky question because nothing about how Matt Stafford played last week should tell us anything about how Matt Stafford is going to play this week, right? This is the law and we have to, we have to adhere to it. We cannot get tempted because I would love to tell you that the way Stafford diced up that Bucks defense gives me a greater degree of faith that he will do the same thing against the 49ers. But we've done enough Matt Stafford over a decade with the Lions and this season with the Rams to know that it just simply is not that predictive. You get these looks where he makes these critical mistakes. His worst games this year, his worst performances this year, have come against teams that can rush four and drop seven, right? You saw the middle of the season, the 31 to 10 loss against the Niners, and then the Titans game where just interior pressure was eating up that light offensive front alive, and Stafford wasn't finding those intermediate windows. That's the Niners' game plan. This one, by the way, it's not just Matt Stafford that I find unpredictable. Like the Rams' offensive line, advanced metrics have them all have them as like the best. And I think they're yeah. the best in uh, pass block. But then when I watch them, I'm like, are they? I it's some bucket. games they look yeah. like it. Okay, so you're with me here. Oh, like so 100%. in the Bucks game, dude. I, in the Bucks game, I was like, when did Joe Noteboom become Joe Thomas? What the hell is happening right now? Like this whole. I mean, I you know he he's a good a very good backup tackle and will probably be their starter next year and that's great but also like what Shaq Barrett and stonewalled I mean Vita Vea had some success on the inside but for the most part they were just absolutely destroying the Bucks up yeah. front and then all of a sudden then you'll watch another game where the guards are just getting blown off and and I I just I don't know. It's, I I find them very unpredictable. And so I want to go into this saying like, wow, we're coming off this game where I have so much confidence in the Rams offensive line. And when the Rams offensive line gives Stafford a ton of time, which he had, everything's good. But I just don't know. Like, I just have seen too many games where it doesn't look like that. Yeah, I, I, I loved what I saw from Note Boom. And if I'm, you know, uh, D'Amico Ryan's looking into this game plan, I have no interest in going up against Whitworth, no interest in taking advantage of having seen if it's Note Boom in there, then I don't, I don't want to go after Note Boom. Austin Corbett. David Edwards, the guards. Yep. Yeah, we gonna get. Yep. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna do exactly what we did uh, last week against Green Bay. We're gonna put a bunch. We're gonna put a bunch of 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 linebackers and potential blitzers all over the line of scrimmage. We are gonna make you fan protection, right? We're gonna make you put those guards one on one against our, Eric Armstead, and then we're gonna sit back and watch because we do not think they can win that matchup for long enough. And that's why, to me, like the key player for the Rams offensively in this game is Odell. This is the game you got Odell for because when you put Cooper Cup in the slot. The Niners, mm. by law, have to uh, attribute a ton of resources to making sure they're matched up in the slot, to making sure they yeah. have the guys to take away the intermediate windows. Van Jefferson, same thing. If you can put Odell on the outside and they're going to give you one-on-one coverage, just put the ball up high and tell right. him to make this free is, agency money. Well, this is also why there's such a difference between the Packers and the Rams from mm-hmm. the Niners' perspective. Because everything you just described that the Niners did to stop Devontae Adams, if they try to do any of that with Cooper Cup, like you said. You uh, have Odell. Rams, can make them pay, yeah. Dude, the Niners uh, pressured Stafford on 58% of dropbacks in the second half of Week 18. Holy Moses. This Niners defensive line, man, like, they just, I, I don't know what happened. And Well, I do know what happened. Eric Armstead moved inside. Yeah. But just just and- absolute alien body types just all across Wild. the formation. Like, when when you look at Nick Bosa, you're like, dude, how is he built like that? And then you move your eyes a little bit, yeah. like, yo, how is Eric Armstead built like that? And you see Arden Key, like, how is Arden Key built like that? They're all, Charles Amenahu, everybody's a, a, a spider out there. It's a nightmare to deal with. Yeah. God, this is such a great pass rush game. Yeah, it with, is. With these two defensive lines. Um, 
I I'm gonna probably end up picking the Rams. I don't feel great about it. Hanahan uh, six and zero against McVay since 2019. <sighs> six and zero. That is so crazy. Yeah, that I'm. That's so what I'm crazy. writing about this week. Is basically how McVay's little brother and Shanahan just keeps on like, giving him a noogie um, at pretty much every turn. Jimmy Garoppolo, in four career playoff wins, averages less than 18 passing attempts <laughs> per game. His stats for the Packers and the Cowboys game are so bad. He has two picks, four sacks, and no touchdowns in two playoff wins. He had a QBR of 11.8 last week, which is the second worst by a winning quarterback in a playoff game in 15 years. Oh, man. Majestic. And Niners fan, anyone who's screaming, well, if Kittle catches that ball, it's different. Yeah, well, if the freaking Packers pick six and like they should have, it's different, too. Um. I don't want to be a Jimmy G hater. I'm a Niners lover. I love watching this team. I love their pass rush. I love what they do on offense. I love watching everything Debo Samuel does. Literally everything. I'm not a hater. Yeah, I just um, I'll tell you how to be a, a Jimmy G supporter. This is this is how you shoehorn yourself into it. You ready? Okay. Jimmy G out. has just like the complete and total blind confidence, right? Just the utter faith in himself. As my co-host of the Ringer show, Nora Princiati said, just the blessing of handsomeness. When you're that handsome, you just believe that you can do anything, right? It's like um, that episode of 30, you maybe now have seen this, 30 Rock, it's where John, John Hamm, Hamm yeah, yeah. Ha- has no idea that he has handsome privilege and exactly. like, goes through life. Um, so now, right, you, you uh, love Jimmy because he gives you, as just like a regular person, the belief that you also can do anything if you just believe in yourself and throw middle of the field that, no matter what. That, that makes no sense because we are not as handsome as Jimmy Garoppolo. But I'll, I'll ride with it. Are, so are you on the Rams as well or no? I think the Niners win. I think I think Shanahan, I think Shanahan has McVay's number. I also think D'Amico Ryan is a god on earth. Uh, and I know that Jimmy is going to make mistakes that should lose them the game. But I also think that the combination of Matt Stafford's volatility and Sean McVay's game management also spells enough mistakes to potentially lose the game. Man, I love that Our pick. Niners, oh, I want to make it. Our I want to make, make that pick. I, it would be a good so I, people got mad at me today for shitting on Jimmy but I feel like if I pick the Niners anyway that's the ultimate troll move right. so maybe I will okay I gotta I mean Niners. Uh, I forgot I forgot I'm taping uh I make my picks based on integrity okay um as always I'm gonna wrap with dinks and dunks two guys drove to work neither guy wore a seatbelt one guy got a ticket one guy didn't the same two guys drove home. One guy wore his seatbelt. One guy didn't. One guy made it home. The guy not wearing his seatbelt didn't. Don't risk it. Click it or ticket. Paid for by NHTSA. And now it's time for Dinks and Dunks. I'm getting paid for this, right? Four questions from me. One question from Lenny. First question. Tom Brady. I don't know if you heard of him. Uh, might be retiring. I don't know. I don't really want to speculate. I, I just whatever. But my question for you is: um, How good is this Bucks team next year if Tom Brady comes back? Really, really, really good. Very good. They have to. I think they're good too. They Everybody's have, yeah. panicking. I was looking at the roster. I'm like, they're fine. Right. They have cap space. They can move math around and keep Chris Godwin. Yeah, that, that's the main thing. Is that especially with with Antonio Brown definitely not coming back. You really want to get Godwin. 
back in the building. Uh, that was that that game against the Rams should have been like a 15 target Godwin game, just in terms of like how they usually yeah. run the offense. They just didn't have him. They have no replacement for him. Uh, so get Godwin back. And I think you're, you're full strength. You love what you have with Lenny and Gio in the backfield. You feel good about your offensive line, whatever. Uh, obviously, the outstanding question is how many coordinators return. Because if there's no Byron and there's no Bulls, then you start to feel a little bit dicey about it. Yeah. But from a pure roster perspective, it's a very, very good team. Second question along similar lines. Aaron Rodgers. That's the question. No, I'm just kidding. Um, is there actually any better situation for him other than Green Bay? I don't think so. Yeah, so on paper, no, absolutely not. With that said, I'm a firm believer in like, sometimes you just feel cursed philosophy. I don't know if that's like a title for it or whatever. But if Rodgers were to say you know, openly, sorry, my nugget wants to answer a question as well. She's, uh, she's getting involved in the podcast behind me. Uh, if, if <laughs> Rogers were to say, you know, in the off season, I want to go somewhere else because I've just tried it with green Bay for so long. And for whatever reason, we can't get it done in the playoffs. I'd kind of get it. I'd certainly get it more than other things. Roger says in the media during the off season, but like that idea of we've done this so much that I just feel like if I go somewhere else, I can like mm-hmm. exercise some demons and, 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 and feel like it's a fresh start. I would get that. But on paper, no, it's Green Bay. God, what would even be comparable, though? I mean... Listen, if De- if Denver hires Nate Hackett, it makes sense. I can you see You really want to be in the AFC West, though, with Herbert and Mahomes? I mean, I'd like to see it. I'd think, Ro- I, yeah. for my entertainment value, yes, I think you want Rogers in the AFC West. God. All right. Question three. Uh, there's a lot of, right now, many... Op- head coach openings and many candidates what is your favorite coach team fit brian dable to the bears which is definitely not gonna happen yeah i don't think it's gonna happen but uh i see giant tank of human being josh allen running around just doing whatever he wants outside of structure in a super spread vertical oriented passing game and i look at a guy like and, and i also remember what Josh Allen was in terms of like a precise. You're doing the thing. You're doing the thing that every fan of a no, young quarterback no, is going to no, do. No, no, it's going to be okay. I remember what Josh Allen was in terms of what he was against zone and, and like his precision, his accuracy. Mm-hmm. And I think to myself that Justin Fields will never have that much of an improvement, but Dable has at least some experience in like helping a quarterback speed up his process, shorten his throwing motion and like work in that quick game such that I would love to see that he can improve that aspect of Fields' game while also giving him the downfield passing game that he so desperately deserves. So I love Brian Dable in Chicago. With that said, Brian Dable's going to be coaching Daniel Jones next year. Pray for our man. Oh, my God. I I think that's going to happen, too. All right, and Giants fans are going to do the thing that we just talked about. Maybe they won't, actually. I don't know. Um, I do think, I mean, Giants fans, that would be great. Like, you know, yep. all things considered. Uh, okay, question four. Probably gonna be. I'm not gonna have a chance to have you on before the Super Bowl. So right now, who is your Super Bowl winner? I think I know what you're gonna say. I think the Chiefs beat the Niners. Yeah. I think we get we get Garoppolo versus Mahomes part two, the two defining quarterbacks of this generation. Obviously, <laughs> um, I and I honestly think it can be a decently close game because I think the Niners can run it all over that Chiefs defense, and I think that the hundred percent, no doubt, D'Amico Ryan's defense can work against Mahomes, and I think that. It'll be 21 to 10, maybe, late in the fourth. Uh, no, probably not that bad. But I, I could see the Niners making it a fun game, and then I could see Shanahan falling once again, uh, losing a, a third oh lead in the Brutal. Super Bowl. And I mostly want to see Brutal. that. But yeah, I think I think Niners Chiefs would be my pick right now. The Niners defense, like at some point, I just want to take stock of what they're doing 
because remember the whole pass rush coverage debate? Well, that, and that, but that's <laughs> like, the thing. They are too intrinsically linked to have yeah, that game legitimately. Yeah. And the best example of that right now is San Francisco. That And it's amazing, too, when you think about roster construction. And, I mean, just to perform at that level with those cornerbacks is amazing. Astounding. And, and yeah, it's remarkable. So, shout out to Miko Ryans. All right, last question, as always, comes from Lenny. Heard the news about Sean Payton. And he just wants to take a moment, pay respects to a legend. Um, Lenny remembers the Saints winning the Super Bowl in 2010 like it was yesterday. And he wants to know, was it the talk of your elementary school? Oh, man. Uh, so 2010, I was I was in junior high school by that point. You're, I, hard, banned. I hardly remember that game, though. Uh, I'll forever remember Sean Payton for uh, the losing the uh, the playoff game against the Rams and that subsequent penalty. I also remember him as Kevin James as well, which is a fond memory for sure. Thank you so much.